This is the podcast of Christian Life Center, an Assemblies of God Church in Springfield, Massachusetts. For more information, visit our website at clc413.com. If you would please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Revelation. We're going to recap a couple things from last week as we look at God's assessment of the church. The seven churches that Jesus spoke about, as we read them, as we learn from them, they affect some in this church. So every single letter has something to say to all of us. God looked at the church and he was able to see where they were going well and where they, where they were going wrong. And my prayer for us this morning is that the Holy Spirit will give us clarity so that we'll be able to see where we're heading. When you're going down a road and you don't know where you are or you don't know where you're heading, there is a sense of confusion. But when you know where you're going, there is a sense of confidence. And my prayer for all of us as we walk with God, that our walk with Him will be one where we are clear in our direction and where we're going. And my prayer for us this morning is that the Holy Spirit will open all of our eyes to be able to see our hearts the way God sees us. We looked last week at the church in Ephesus and we saw that Jesus knew all of the good things that they were doing. But even knowing all the good things that they were doing, he very clearly laid out something so critical that they are, their lampstand was at risk of being removed. They had lost their first love. And then at the end of his, of his uh, letter to the church in Ephesus, he said, To everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. I'm so thankful that God has not called us to an impossible task. But he's given us what we need to get the job done. So we're going to look in uh, verse 8 now of chapter 2, the letter to the church in Smyrna. And it begins, write this letter to the angel of the church in Smyrna. This is the message from the one who is the first and the last, who was dead but is now alive. I know about your suffering and your poverty, but you are rich. I know the blasphemy of those opposing you. They say they are Jews, but they are not. Because their synagogue belongs to Satan. Don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you. You will suffer for 10 days. But if you remain faithful, even when facing death, I will give you the crown of life. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Whoever is victorious will not be harmed by the second death. When we walk through life, we can go through very difficult circumstances, very difficult situations. 
In fact, at times, uh, the decisions that are made that are wrong decisions can often be made because of mounting pressure, overwhelming circumstances that a person may feel there is no other option, there is no other way. At times, people who are placed in difficult situations where they have lack, they are tempted to steal to make up for that lack. For those who feel like they are pressed down and uh, they have no worth, they are tempted uh, to give up, tempted to not even continue. The enemy oftentimes comes to you and I in our weakest moments. He did the same to Jesus. During the 40 days that Jesus fasted and spent time in the wilderness, it was at the end of that time that Jesus was tested. He was tempted. And the enemy brought before Jesus a twisting of the Word of God, saying, this is what the Word of God says. And each time Jesus responded, saying, it is also written, correcting the context of what God really intended to say. Friend, when you are feeling weak in your body, in your spirit, and in your mind. Be on the lookout because the enemy is always looking for an opportune moment to get at you. And oftentimes, it happens when you're extra tired, when you're sick, when situations at your job are overwhelming. These are very natural things that can set the stage for a supernatural attack. So when you are in those moments, know this, God has not left you. You may feel like the presence of the Lord is not as strong, but the reality is, is that the promise of God remains the same. Jesus says of this church, I know your suffering, I know your poverty. And at times in our lives when we're going through something difficult, it's easy to think that only us are going through such a terrible time. But the truth is, is there are many in this world who are suffering as well. And in the middle of what we go through, our God remains with us. He says of those in Smyrna, I know about your suffering and I know about your poverty, but I'm going to give you another perspective. You're not as poor as you think you are. Because you have something that even a rich person cannot buy. They were rich even though they were naturally poor because they had Christ. He goes on to say about them, I know the blasphemy of those opposing you. They say they are Jews, but they are not because their synagogue belongs to Satan. Now, think about this for a moment. These are people who are supposed to be dedicated to the Word of God. A synagogue was a place where the Word of God was proclaimed on a weekly basis. These people were to be people who represented the truth of the character of God. And yet at the very place where it was supposed to be a light, it was a place, instead of emanating light, was filled with darkness. 
so much so that the assessment of God himself was that this synagogue belonged to Satan. And because it belonged to Satan, that group actually was opposing the work of God in Smyrna. Sometimes your greatest opposition will come through those who say they are God's people, but are not living in obedience to the Word of God. So that's where discernment comes in, where God needs to give you discernment when someone says they are following Christ. Are they genuinely following Christ? The Word of God tells us that by a person's fruit, they will be known. And so you and I need to reflect the character of God. It must be simply more, uh, more than simply our words and saying that we love God or we love each other. It must be reflected in our actions. I'm so thankful for the opportunities that God gives us to reach into the darkness and let the light of Jesus Christ shine. I so appreciate the work of Clearway Clinic because as they minister to these ladies, the spirit of death that is present is being confronted with the very spirit of God, which is the spirit of life. And I'm so glad that when the light shines in the darkness, that there is a powerful impact. And I believe that that's God's heart, is that those who uh, might be destined for destruction would be rescued, both spiritually and naturally. I was reading in the book of Jeremiah, and uh, it seems baffling. But it was talking about God's people. This is God's people now that would take their sons and would literally burn them in the fire to false gods. And I was thinking in my mind, what would bring a person to do that? You might say anybody in their right mind would never do such a thing. Even a person who may not believe in God, you would think that uh, they would have at least enough conscience to not do such a terrible thing. But the Bible tells us that the heart is wicked above all things. Who can know it? You see, the truth is, with enough pressure placed upon you, unless you have the power of God inside of you, you will succumb to the pressure. Your willpower is not enough to keep you walking strong with God. You must be willing, but your willingness is not enough. Because it is the power of the Spirit of God that strengthens you and sustains you when the enemy comes in to tempt you and to bring destruction. And the Word of God is there to be able to provide what is needed to defeat the work of the enemy. God knew the opposition against his people in Smyrna. Verse 10, he said, don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you. And you will suffer for 10 days. But if you remain faithful, even when facing death, I will give you the crown of life. For those of you who know Christ, and I hope every person in this room is ready to meet Jesus. 
you do not need to be afraid of death. The enemy himself can come against you to try to destroy your life. But you do not need to be afraid. Here, this is a a prophetic word. One that maybe we would not like to hear. Some of you are going to go into prison. And by doing so, you will be tested. You'll suffer for 10 days, but if you remain faithful, even when facing death, I will give you the crown of life. Friends, our walk with God is a victorious walk, but how we understand victory is very important. Victory does not mean that we simply avoid the problems or that we're not even affected by the problems. Victory means that whether in life or death, God will be glorified through our lives. And that's very important for you and I to keep in mind. You know, sometimes we may look at things and say, well, God isn't going to give me any more than I can handle. But what can you handle? Think about that for a moment. What can you handle? First of all, the Scripture doesn't say that God will not give us more than we can handle. Secondly, at times what we think is, is we draw our own line of what we can handle. But there are people who have given their lives for Christ. Could they handle that? Yes, they could. Because the grace of God was sufficient for that moment. Now, for you and I looking in at that situation, we may think, wow, how can that happen? How can someone really remain firm through such a terrible thing? When you look at what God is doing in someone else's life at that moment, you're observing outside of the bubble of the grace of God that is all over that person in the moment that they need it. When you need the grace, it'll be there for you. But when you're looking at someone else and when they're walking through a difficult situation, God's grace is there for them. You're observing with your eyes and with your ears of listening about what's going on. But that grace is not needed for you at the moment. And so what happens is sometimes we get afraid. We think, well, I'm not sure I could make it through that. I'm here to tell you that there is no challenge you cannot make it through. Because God has promised he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. That's the only reason why someone like Richard Wurmbrandt would be able to spend years and years and be tortured in prison and not give up his faith. Was his tolerance level just different that he could handle more? No. We're all human beings. We feel pain. We have our limitations. But the truth is, is we have a supernatural God who gives us strength to overcome. And you and I need to remember that it's not a matter of how we feel, but rather the power of the Spirit of God that is available to each and every one of us. So we see here that there was opposition. We had those from a synagogue that really belonged to Satan that were opposing the church. We have opposition from the enemy himself. In verse 10, it says, the devil will throw some of you into prison to test you. But through it all, God would be glorified. 
And he says, if you remain faithful, I will give you the crown of life. Every single one of us will face tests. The tests that you and I face will determine the level of our faith in the Lord. And as we remain faithful through good times and through bad times, then God, as he sees our heart, he will give us the strength to walk through the most difficult situations that come our way. Do not be afraid of what the enemy will throw your way. Because whatever the enemy throws your way, God will give you what you need to be able to respond. There is no weapon that is formed against you as a child of God that will prevail. Because God's promise to you is that he, the Lord, your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, do not be afraid, I will help you. If he has called you to a task, never allow fear to keep you back from fulfilling the mission that God has given to you. Fear has a way of crippling us. But here we have a church in Smyrna, a church that was moving forward even in the face of death. It's a challenge to Christian Life Center. May God help us to remain faithful in the midst of opposition. May God give us courage that we will not be afraid of what people think, but rather that we would be more concerned about the heart of God for people. That's why Jesus gave his life. It's why in the garden he cried out to his father and he said, if there is some other way, please let this cup pass from me. But then he said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. I don't know what challenges may be coming down the pike for you. I wish I could say that everything in the near future is going to be a bed of roses. But I'm not certain of that. But it would do you no good to simply hear that all is going to go easy and not be prepared for the rough stuff. The Spirit of God wants you to be prepared. And as you cling to the Word of God, you will be prepared. I want to share with you from the book of Second Peter for a moment. Chapter 1. In verse 3, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. So you and I are going to face opposition, as Smyrna did. It may be different. It may not necessarily be facing death. But one way or another, you and I are going to face opposition. And for us to be prepared so that we will not fail when the test comes our way, this is what God's Word tells us we must do. 
Verse 5, it says, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. And moral excellence with knowledge. And knowledge with self-control. And self-control with patient endurance. And patient endurance with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love for everyone. Now listen to these words that follow. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. You and I have a role to play in this walk with God. Our part is to make every effort to respond to God's promises. It doesn't matter what the enemy can throw your way. You have received what you need to be able to live a godly life. It says, as we read in this uh, first portion, it says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. And how did you receive this? By coming to know him. The treasure that God has given you is something that cannot be purchased with money. That's why Jesus said to the church in Smyrna, I know that you're poor. You don't have a lot of money, but you're very rich. And I believe that God sees not only all of your bank accounts this morning. He knows exactly what you have and don't have. He saw the church in Smyrna. He said, I know you're poor. I understand you don't have a lot of money. God knows where you are, friend. Never think that your deficit is something hidden to God. Know that he understands your suffering. He understands your poverty. He understands what you're walking through that's very difficult. But Jesus says, I want you to know, you may not have a lot of money in the account, but you're very rich. You're very rich. And I want to say to you this morning, if you have placed your confidence in the Lord today, you know the one who owns this entire planet. I love how when Peter was talking about paying his taxes, and of course the Lord told those who he was speaking to, he said, pay your taxes. That's, that's, that's your responsibility. And Peter was talking with Jesus, and Jesus said, go catch a fish, Peter. And in that fish's mouth, open it up and you'll get the coin, and with that, go ahead and pay what needs to be paid. The Lord knew exactly where the provision was that was needed. And I want you to know in the natural realm, God knows where you are today. He knows if you're struggling to make ends meet. And he cares about you. And I want to challenge you not to gloss over the reality that you serve an awesome God who truly cares about you. 
and he wants to provide for you. He provides for the birds, he provides for the grass, he provides for the flowers. If you're in this place this morning and you're living a life of worry, you're thinking to yourself, how am I going to make it? How am I going to do it? From the word of God and from the mouth of Jesus, stop worrying and place your hope in the Lord. He will take care of you. He will provide for you. He will sustain you in the natural. He will sustain you in the supernatural. But you must put your hope and your trust in him. I'm not sure what level of suffering those of you in this room may be dealing with. But God sees your level of suffering. He knows the level of poverty. He understands every issue that you're facing. And God is able to meet the deficit. He is a God who is able to provide more than enough for you. I'm going to ask if we could all close ourselves in with God with all eyes closed and heads bowed. If Jesus were writing about our church, what would his assessment of us be? Oh, the first death, there were some that in this church in Smyrna, they would end up facing death. God was speaking to them, and he wasn't only telling them, you're going to be victorious in this life. But he said in verse 11, whoever is victorious will not be harmed by the second death. And that's the one that really matters. Maybe some of you feel like you're at your wit's end and you're not sure what's going to happen next, I want you to know that God is with you. God cares about you. He loves you and his love is unconditional. God wants to give you the crown of life, but he can only do that when you remain faithful to the end. It's possible that some of you may be facing giving up. Maybe in this room thinking, I've walked with God. What worth has it been? I'm facing this challenge and next challenge, and it seems like nothing changes. I want to encourage you not to give up. The truth is, is if you had everything in this life and you weren't ready for the next, what good would that be anyways? The words of Jesus to the church in Smyrna. They were all positive. To the church in Smyrna, there was no rebuke. Jesus did not say to the church in Smyrna, you have lost your first love, like he said to Ephesus. All the words that he spoke to them were encouraging words and approval and challenging them to remain faithful. Maybe you're in this room and you've been walking with God. You have not given up. I challenge you, my friends, stay the course. God has a crown of life for you. He knows your suffering. He knows your challenges. 
And if you allow him, he will walk you through to the very end of your life, whatever, whatever period of time God has given you, and you will bring glory to the living God. And you will hear these words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. The first thing I want to ask this morning is I never take for granted that because you're in church that you're ready for heaven. Going to church doesn't save your soul, only Jesus. And if you're here today and the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart, you know you've sinned, you know you've done wrong, The Spirit of God says today is the day that that can all be washed away by the blood of Jesus. I remember the day when I committed my life to Christ. Grew up as a missionary's kid. But I had to say, Jesus, forgive me for my sin and wash me clean. And he did. Maybe you're in the room today and you need to make that choice. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. You don't need to wait another day. In fact, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. So don't chance it. If you're here and you would say, Lord, I surrender my life to you. I want you to come in and make me a brand new person. I want my name to be written in the book of life. If that's you in this place, right where you are, would you simply raise your hand? I'd love to pray for you. The Bible says that the Spirit of God will come in and make you a brand new person. See your hand, my sister. God sees your heart. Is there anyone else in this place that needs to make that decision? God sees your hand. I never rush past this because it's why Jesus died. It's what it's all about. One last call. Is there anyone else you want to be sure that you're ready for heaven? God sees you, and I see your hand, my brother. Now, here's what happens. The Bible says that with our mouth we confess and with our heart we believe. And the Spirit of God is the one that does the cleaning. So as we pray this prayer, God says that His Holy Spirit comes in and washes you clean. God sees you, my sister. And that transforming work is something only God can do. Jesus said it's being born again. Born of the Spirit. And when even one person is saved, the Bible says all of heaven rejoices. And so this is what we're going to do. We're going to pray together. I'm going to ask the church family to pray. And those who raised your hand, uh, I'm just helping out here. But there's nothing specific about the words alone. God's hearing your heart. But as we pray, I welcome you to pray with me. And as we join together, the Spirit of God hears your heart. And the transformation is going to happen. 
Jesus' blood is going to wash away all of your shame, your guilt, and all of your sin as you believe. So let us pray together, shall we? Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me. Even though you already know all the wrong things I've ever done, I thank you that you died for me even though I may not have been looking for you. Thank you for washing my heart clean by the blood that you shed on the cross of Calvary. I choose today to live my life in obedience to you. Please forgive me of all my sin and wash my heart clean and make me a brand new per person. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise for the work of the Holy Spirit. And now, something that applies to every single one of us in this room. Jesus said to the church in Smyrna, I know about your suffering and your poverty. I know the opposition that you're dealing with. Sometimes things are so challenging, uh, they're private matters you can't share with many people, but they can be very difficult. Before we leave this place, I want to give you an opportunity to put your confidence in the Lord no matter what you're facing, no matter what battle you're fighting. Some of you may have in-house battles, challenges that are going on in your own home. The Lord wants you to know He stands with you. He will strengthen you. God wants you to be prepared for the challenges of this coming week. Without sharing exactly what it is, you know what it is, but if you are facing a battle, whether it be with provision, opposition, maybe you're suffering in some way. We are called by God to carry one another's burdens. So you don't always need to know exactly what's going on, but you can pray, and God knows how. In fact, the Scripture says when we don't know even how to pray, the Holy Spirit prays to us. Isn't that wonderful? So you don't know, need to know all the business of your brother and sister, but you can know that they're walking through something that they need prayer. So here's what we're going to do. If you're in this room and you're facing a fight of some sort and you need your brothers and sisters to uphold you in prayer, then as we close this time together, I want to invite you to simply stand to your feet where you are. If you need prayer today for the Lord to strengthen you in some way, you're facing some challenge. He knows we don't necessarily need to know. It may be a private matter. All I'm asking you to do is stand. You don't have to share your matter with anybody except the Lord. You can if you want, but I'm just saying for this purpose, all I'm asking you is, is if you are in a battle and you want us to stand with you in prayer, then I invite you to stand.
And we're going to agree to agree together for a miracle that the Spirit of God will provide every single need in this room this morning. Now, for those of you who are sitting, I'd like you to take a moment and I want you to look around and I want you to get one person in mind. Just one person. You can add to that, but just at least one. And during this time of prayer, I want you to pray, though you may not know what the issue is. You don't need to. But I want you to lift that brother or sister to the Lord in prayer all across this congregation. So take a moment, look around you, get someone in mind. Someone you're going to help fight their battle. You got that person? All right, let's pray now. Father, in the name of Jesus, you know every single person that is standing and you know every battle that they are fighting. Spirit of God, you are the one that gives us through the Word of God everything we need to live a godly life. And so we come humbly before you this morning acknowledging that we are not without hope. We are not without help. But you said in your Word in the book of James that we are to ask. And so we come in faith, asking for help. Oh, Spirit of God, I pray for a supernatural touch on every single person that is standing. Every battle that they are fighting, I pray that they would have the sword of the Spirit. I pray, Lord, that they would be able to have the shield of faith and that they would be able to divert the, uh, the weapons of the enemy that are coming against them. Uh, be it in-house or from an outside source, no matter where it comes from, I pray that this week they will be made strong by the power of your Spirit. Lord, I pray for those who may have been in a long-term battle and they're almost feeling worn out. Lord, may they hear your word to them to not grow weary in well-doing because at just the right time, in just the right season, they will reap a harvest if they don't give up. I pray for supernatural strength for each one in this room. For those who are believing you for, for provision, oh God, would you miraculously provide. For those who may be dealing with relationship needs, oh God, I pray that you would breathe peace and clarity of direction as to what steps to take. Spirit of God, I ask that you would miraculously provide strength for those who are suffering. Maybe some are suffering for your cause, for doing what is right. Maybe some are, are dealing with some illness. Maybe some are, are suffering, Lord, from some other issue or problem that maybe is causing them pain. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that they would experience victory. And Lord, I ask that you would minister strength to those who are weak. I pray that you would give hope to those who are hopeless. And for those who are feeling low in their area of joy, I pray for a refilling of your joy because your joy is our strength. I pray that this week will be a week filled with victory, that you will receive glory 
through those who may be fighting battles because they put their hope and their confidence in you, Almighty God. Father, I thank you for hearing our prayer. And I thank you for the work that you've already done and the work that you are going to do. We place our trust and our confidence in you. In the name of Jesus, amen. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each and every one of you. Go in the power of the Spirit of God and have a great day. Amen.